You're listening to Preferred Perspectives with host Morgan Matson, founder and president of Preferred Counsel. It's the San Antonio legal podcast that covers all things legal careers, staffing, and industry trends. It's real talk. It's real counsel. Now here's your host, Morgan Matson. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Morgan Matson, president and founder of Preferred Counsel. Today, we're going to discuss interviews, what employers want to know that isn't on your resume. We've got a great guest who's got a lot of experience with this. Her name is Anna Whitener. She's the Recruiting and Professional Development Manager with Dykema Gossett. And right now, uh, we are doing more than social distancing because I am speaking with Anna in San Antonio, but she's in our nation's lovely capital, D.C. Anna has more than 15 years of legal recruiting experience. As a recruiting and professional development manager for Dykema Gossett, Anna manages all aspects of partner and law student recruitment the Summer Associate Program, and professional development efforts for the firm's Texas and Washington, D.C. offices. She is actively involved in mentoring and attorney orientation and integration efforts, in addition to supporting the hiring, associates, and diversity committees. An active National Association for Law Placement member, Anna has held numerous leadership roles within the organization, including serving on its board of directors from 2014 to 2016 and as a regular conference presenter. Communication is from the University of Texas at Austin. Hook them, Anna. How are you? Okay, Morgan. I'm great. Great to be with you today. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Thank you for taking the time to share everything you've learned in your role as in recruiting. And, and so, you know, during this time of, of COVID and there's been such economic uncertainty, I thought our guests would really appreciate uh, hearing uh, the importance of having a strong resume, but then also knowing a little bit kind of behind the scenes, behind the curtains, if you will, about what hiring managers, those in charge uh, want to know that isn't on your resume. Mm-hmm. Before we get there, let's start about the basics. What should be on your resume? What do you consider to be some of the most important things to include besides the obvious like experience and education when reviewing resumes? Sure. So the first thing I would say is if you're a student, it's important to have those grades on there. I think some oftentimes students will think, well, my GPA is not really where I want it to be. So let me just leave that off for right now. But I'll tell you, that's that's really just a red flag for us recruiters as we look at that. Any kind of GPA, unless it's unless it is, is really, really abysmal, is going to be better than no GPA at all. That just worries us when we see nothing. Of course, we think the worst. And probably what we're thinking is probably worse than it really is, I promise. So put those grades on there. Um, And then the other thing that I would say about just in terms of resume writing is really just keep it succinct. There's no need to write an entire paragraph on your experience at every place that you've been. A few short bullet points will suffice. No gaps. I like to see a nice, smooth path from education to employment and everywhere that you've been without having to wonder, well, there's a there's a six or a 12 month hole right here. I wonder what they were doing there. What was that about? So no gaps and uh, and then just make it properly formatted. You know, it should, there's a big difference between a legal resume and a non-legal resume. And this should look like a legal right. resume. Yeah. That's also- you, Yeah. Talking about the, the legal versus a non-legal, what are the differences that you see as far as that goes? Oh gosh. Well, I don't, you know, it's been so long since I looked at resumes that weren't legal <laughs> <It'd be hard laughs> right? to tell anybody how to make one otherwise. But so I think of a legal resume as being, you know, very clean. It's got, you know, it's going to, I don't really have a preference as to whether or not the individual starts with education or experience at the top, but I'm going to want a section for specifically for education, particularly your legal education, and then your, uh, then your education on there. 
And then um, perhaps something at the bottom, if you've got experience or skills with languages or perhaps different community service activities, leadership roles that you've held and things like this that can add some color to that document. But really, you know, that's about all you need. You really only need about three sections. And then just keep it neat, keep it clean. I think especially if you're a law student, there's absolutely no reason to have a resume that's longer than one page. Um, Right. Yeah. You know, if if you've got a number of years of experience and you're an experienced lateral trying to move into a place, I could understand it being more than more than that. But that's one of my pet peeves is seeing law students that have got two page resumes, especially when it's just you're using a second page for nothing more than just a few lines. I I just want (laughs) to that makes me just not want to print that part. I'm just going to leave that off. So. Yeah, no, that's a good good point. And you mentioned, you know, not wanting to raise questions on your resume, and and by omitting your GPA, you may beg the question, oh, why is that not on here? And it may be worse right. than, than the truth. What about, for instance, some other areas that may raise questions? If there are gaps, but they're explainable gaps, or even if it's just a transition from one law firm to another law firm, oftentimes I've seen. Uh, resumes that have maybe a parenthetical that explain the reason for the gap from one year to another year. Have you seen that before? And if so, do you have any feelings one way or the other about, you know, addressing those issues head on? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And I think what I'd say, just to address your direct question first, I think a parenthetical, if it's brief, is fine. Like, for instance, moved with partner A to new firm when they founded, you know, ABC law firm is perfectly right. It's perfectly fine. If in cases where you've got a little bit of a longer story to that, I think the key there is just making sure that you have a well thought out, logical answer for those gaps or those moves and really just having thought through what your personal story is going to be for those things. And I think, you know, this year is a perfect example of that there's going to be a lot of people who have things like that on their resume for 2020 as we, you know, go Mm -hmm. through these yeah, strange time. So just knowing what you're going to say about that and coming at those questions with a thought out intelligent answer is is all you need to do. I think that's right. You know, a lot of times people, you know, because they're living it, they tend to maybe overlook the reasons for their their moves. And so sometimes when I will talk to them, I'll say, well, tell me about how you move from this firm to that firm. And then it comes out, oh, you know, three of the partners that I work for moved and they asked me to come with. Well, that's a, that right. communicates success. That communicates strength that people chose you to move. And I say, you know, you should put that on there. Like again, in a, maybe a brief parenthetical. So yeah, that, that there's really consistency. You're working with the same people doing the same types of work, but now you're doing it at a different place. Yeah, exactly. What about standing out from the crowd? So we talked a little bit earlier about the differences between a legal and a non-legal resume. And your point is well taken. The, the legal resumes tend to be really neat and crisp and concise and not, you know, bold, bright colors or, you know, your name mm-hmm. uh, vertically across yeah. the margin or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to, to, to set yourself out, I've seen, for example, some people more recently, maybe in the header on the center, doing it in a, in a bold blue, or I've, I've seen more now some people putting photographs of themselves. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? How can someone stand out from the crowd when applying for a position? I'm just saying, you know, personally, I don't tend to go with any of those kind of, you know, colorful additions or certainly photographs. I'm not a fan. I see a, I see a photograph on a, a resume and I think about real estate agents. <laughs> I don't think about lawyers. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not a fan of the color. I think a legal resume is a legal resume. 
is a legal resume. Um, I think that a great a great way for people to stand out from the crowd application process is a great cover letter. And I think that cover letters are one of those continually overlooked opportunities. I see it all the time. A cover letter should not be a narrative version of your resume. You know, I can easily absolutely. See what, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, I, I I can easily see what you've done by looking at your resume, which which I'm going to do. You know, so use your cover letter to show me something and tell me something that I'm not going to get in bullet form on that resume. You know, why do you want this job or what's attracted you to this firm or this position? You know, the reasons that you held certain positions or what drove you to law school. Tell me the story, you know, tell me who you are behind that resume. And I just, I think at a stage when all you have to present yourself with is paper documents and those those documents that you're submitting in an email to uh, to an application inbox. You want those few documents that you can put forward to be the best they can. And I think not using the cover letter to to add a little bit more about yourself and to make yourself a little bit more human is a really missed opportunity. And one that I see time and time and time again. I mean, you know, I would say probably 90 Eight, 99% of cover letters I get are just form letters, mm-hmm. um, really just form letters. And and you've if you've read one, you've read them all. So I tell people all the time, use your cover letters to to add something more than what's on that resume. And it's great advice. Yeah, a lot of people overlook the cover letter and it's a way to tell your story. Yep, definitely. It's really a way to humanize yourself. It's really a way to make me feel a connection with you and go, oh, yeah, that's neat. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Or wow, that's a really interesting background or you know, potentially explain something on your resume that you want to add some more detail to up front. So yeah, yeah, I love to see a great cover letter. And I, I've actually, I've actually added people to interview schedules before and, and and maybe put somebody forward for interviews before that I might not have based upon what was on the resume, because of the fact that they had a great cover letter. So, you know, it's, it's probably at the end of the day, it's not going to get you the job, but it very well might get you in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to get your foot in the door. You got to get your foot yep. in the door. Okay, so that's a huge endorsement for cover letters, a plus one for cover letters. I love the the term humanizing. It is. It's a great way to humanize yourself and set yourself apart from maybe somebody else who's also applying for the same position. Mm-hmm. So you've made it now to the interview stage. What are you looking for that's not on a resume? Right. So when we're at the interview stage, what I'm looking to see are things like poise, professionalism, courtesy, a sense of humor goes a long way, emotional intelligence. And I want to note here that I'm not saying the word fit. Okay. I think that I think that fit too often ends up being code for someone who looks and acts like us. And I'm not trying to put together a firm of identicals. I don't want a whole bunch of people who look and sound and speak all like one another. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to say, well, he's a good fit or she's a good fit. Well, what does that mean? I want to see that you have these kind of qualities, that you're courteous, that you're professional, that you understand kind of what we're doing and you have good good self-awareness. Diversity of thought and experience and of perspective is is very important. So I'm looking for someone to express theirs to me and to express an appreciation for unique experiences and perspectives of others. Because again, you know, nobody wants a firm full of a whole bunch of people who do exactly the same thing and think exactly the same way. That's not how we're going to come to creative solutions. Right. And yeah. So 
I like people who can appreciate those things and appreciate that we're looking to build a firm in that way and then not be afraid to express kind of their thoughts, their experiences and their perspectives in that same way. But in a, you know, in a professional way that comes across as appropriate in an interview setting. Right. So talking about appropriateness of an interview setting, mm-hmm. let's look at it from the other side. What would you say are things you definitely should should avoid during an interview? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm sure the list could be pretty long. <laughs> yeah. You know, things to avoid. So don't walk in there and act like you know everything. You know, show a little bit of a humble spirit. Don't act bored. You know, act like mm-hmm. you want to be there. And I tell, this is something that I tell um, law students all the time as I meet with them on campus. You know, just rely on the interviewer to drive the entire conversation. I tell them, this is your 20 minutes. You know, you've got a story. You know what your best qualities are. You know what points you really want to get across in this meeting. Make sure you do that. You know, you drive that conversation there. If they're not asking you the questions that you want to get asked, add it yourself. Make that a point of conversation. And I guarantee you the interviewers will like a candidate better who's got, who shows a willingness to steer the conversation in the way that they want it to go, as opposed to just being a passive participant in that conversation, just waiting for the interviewer to come up with another 12 questions to get you through that, you know, that interview time, that clock is going to tick by very slowly, um, if you're not being an active participant there. So I always tell candidates, you know, this is your time, make it what you want to make it. And that's probably my strongest piece of advice for for an interview. Right. I mean, I think that the more engaged a candidate is, the better. I mean, it, absolutely. It, it seems like then those twenty minutes they don't they don't tick by slowly; they go by fast. Absolutely. Because the two or the three or how many people are in the interview, if if there's an engagement back and forth and it's a conversation, it seems like everybody gets a better sense of of who everyone is. Hmm. Definitely, I completely agree. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I always encourage candidates to try to find out as much as they can and ask questions that reveal their insightful nature and their curiosity and their interest in the firm. Definitely. I like to see the same thing. It really shows, really shows that somebody's taken the time and that it's just, frankly, it's just more enjoyable to talk to somebody who wants to be talking to you and, and right. gives, a, gives a sense that they really want to be in that conversation and really want to be in that room rather than just, they're just there kind of checking it off the list. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kind of like our our conversation now. I'm really enjoying this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, me too. Is there kind of a category of general questions that you tend to see where candidates stumble over or perhaps they're not prepared for and they should be or or things that people should be paying attention to uh, in advance of an interview? You know, I mean, most people are so well coached these days. You know, it is rare that I come across some that I have a, an instance where somebody's just completely unprepared for something. I will say one thing that that I tend to ask a lot and that I think some folks do better than others is just that what I kind of call my why question. I okay. always I want to get to the bottom of what's driving this person and why are they interested in this particular firm, you know, this position in this place. And again, it kind of just goes back to that story that we were talking about a little while ago, just having a well thought out well-articulated story for why you're here and why you want to do what it is that you say you want to do. So I'm trying to get to those drivers in that interview and figure out kind of what's leading this person, kind of what's driving them towards this. And I think those that have thought through that and have 
maybe practiced an answer or two and run through what that response is going to be for them tend to do well uh, in that situation. And those that, that only have an answer like, well, you know, I heard good things from my friends or right. I was recommended, you know, I was recommended to this firm by my career services office or, you know, gosh, I really just want to be in San Antonio. Well, that's great, but there's yeah, lots of other places you could be in San Antonio too. So, you know, I'd like to see that the person has thought a little bit more into into what what this firm is and and what are the strengths or of the practice group or things like that. I'm so glad we're doing this. And I'm so glad to hear you say that because I constantly tell people that I am helping with interviews is you need to be specific. It needs to be genuine. Uh, it needs to come from you. It needs to be your words. But but at some point during the interview, you need to answer that why question because yeah. otherwise you're kind of one of, of many, but, but they right. need to have a clear of what it is about this position, about this employer that motivates you. Because at the end of the day, I think that everybody wants to know that there's going to be a commitment. It's a two-way street, and this is an important decision that's being made. You know, are we going to extend you a job offer? Are you going to accept it? And there needs to be this kind of shared understanding. And a lot of that comes from answering that why question. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Any other lasting tips you want to give us about how to make a first and best first impression? Yeah, Morgan, you know, I'm going to go back to just what we were talking about a minute ago about engagement. And I, I just always want to encourage people to be in what I'll call enthusiastically engaged. And I don't, I don't mean by that, I don't mean you have to come in and be hyper, but you just act like you want to be there. That goes such a long way. The best interviews are with people who you can tell are genuinely happy to be there. As you said earlier, you can tell when someone is truly excited about an opportunity and it just makes all the difference to the interviewers because, you know, we all like where we work and and we all genuinely like one another. And so when you interview a candidate who expresses that same kind of positive enthusiasm for the place and the people, it creates an instant connection those interviews are memorable because they're enjoyable. And, right. and those right. And those are great interviews, great meetings. And those are the people that stick in your mind days and weeks later that you, you're, you're wanting to go back to. You're wanting to continue that conversation. You want to maybe, you know, you're going to want to see them again. So I think enthusiasm and, um, and that genuine um, positive engagement just counts for so much in person. Excellent. So there you have it. So you've got enthusiasm, positive engagement, uh, specificity. These are all uh, big takeaways uh, from what employers uh, will be looking to see that isn't on your resume. Fair summation? Fair. Excellent. Excellent. Well, listen, Anna, I really appreciate your time today and sharing your, your insights, your uh, expertise. Uh, we hope to be able to see you in San Antonio soon. I would love that. And thank you again so much for having me, Morgan. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for joining this episode of Preferred Perspectives. Make sure to catch our next episode by subscribing via your favorite podcasting service and following Preferred Counsel on LinkedIn and Facebook. Until next time, this is Morgan Matson signing off. For more information about Preferred Counsel and its services, visit preferredcounsel.net.